Hi everyone, my name is Alina. I'm a compulsive Kabbal- overeater. I also consider myself addict of, uh, I do other things, uh, not just food, <laughs> uh, behaviors, relationships, and uh, all sort of things. And, um, and I'm also co-addict of addicts, so um, naturally, well, here's, here it is. Um, I, this is how I, pers- I can perceive myself like that. I am all messed up, I'm addict, multiple programs, blah, 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 it's a mess. I also see myself in other way. I am honest enough to see the issues. I am willing enough to do the work, hard work in multiple programs. And I have enough drive for a better life. So before the program, I would only see the first part. I'm the mess. It's all mess, and it's horrible. Um, doing multiple 12 steps, and four step, and part of four steps, uh, listing my character assets, listing assets of my parents that they passed to me, that I inherited. <laughs> um, I started seeing the second part. And now, and also doing the gratitude list as a part of my food report every day, um, I see the second part more and more, and I start, and the moment I start thinking, oh my God, it's the end of the world, everything is like going to hell, and it's like nothing is good, the brain automatically, like from the gratitude list, okay, what, what can I be, what is good, what, what am I grateful for, and it balances it out. Uh, a little history, I shared here before, so I really would not want to repeat the same things, and so I'm not going to focus much on my history. I think I'm just try, I'm going to try to focus more on the recent things that happened during the last two, three years that I have not shared. Um, I um, come from the family of functioning alcoholic and uh, compulsive overeater, who is my mom, and um, I grew up in Ukraine. I, um, <clears throat> I came here after graduating from college to, to the United States. Um, I, uh, my food addiction, I was, I always was a food addict. I never thought, I didn't think of myself as a food addict when I was growing up. Um, I recently came across my childhood pictures, like school pictures, and I was shocked to find out I, when I was growing up, by the time I became a teenager, I thought I was fat and ugly, automatically. And when I looked at the pictures, I was normal. <laughs> it wasn't ugly. <laughs> you know, it was a cute little child. Uh, like every, all my classmates, everybody's great. And, uh, but in my head, I already thought that I was unacceptable to myself and that I was um, overweight and I could not accept my body the way it was to me. Um, so eating, uh, I ate, I, um, 
right now mostly I treat I still like here there's a definition of abstinence like we stop like there is another definition like we stop taking edge off with food and I I still do it I do it I um, I still treat food as a trophy I still uh, have this thinking this is like my very like kind of root thinking that it happens very often that I still do but I'm aware of it oh I did this thing that I didn't want to do I made an effort I deserve this and I'm going to have it <laughs> but then I have a food plan and I have my abstinence which is um, three meals a day two snacks snacks are not optional I eat snacks and <laughs> sometimes I don't eat them but it's I'm not one of those people who like I could have it or leave it no I, I have it <laughs> and um, also I have which is not I think I didn't meet that often this kind of thing I have sugar allowance twice a month one sugar dish um, and it works for me it's for some reason, um, I don't know whether it's like I keep a little door open for my addict, maybe, uh, or maybe it's just me being, like giving myself a little space and a little freedom. And, and, and the reason where it came from also, initially, like I did like a year no sugar. And then initially, I'm the kind of person also I forget. So I will try something for an extended period of time, and then I'll try, I go back and I try it to see what's the difference, how I feel. And again, I don't know, maybe it's my addict is like looking for sort of loopholes to go back, or maybe it's just my personality that is like, I, you know, I went a year without sugar, then I tried something, some dishes, and I was like, ew, the, the taste changed. Uh, my taste bud changed. My, it felt weird. So I was like, okay, now I have really good comparison. And eventually, uh, I also was like, I'm huge perfectionist. Huge perfectionist. <laughs> so eventually it was like, I was afraid that I will order something, it will be some sauce, it will have some sugar, and then I will be like, oh my God, I you know, lost my abstinence. So I wanted to have some kind of little hole in my abstinence where I could be like, Oh, I had this, you know. And actually, originally, too, like I was, um, when I just started No Sugar, I was not very knowledgeable. I was not very aware. Uh, I didn't have habits yet. I was building habits to read labels on every food I buy. I bought challah bread. It tasted very sweet. And it didn't occur to me that it had sugar in it. <laughs> like, well, obviously, addiction. Hello. <laughs> so, but... Yeah, on the second day, I read the label. I was like, well, it tasted very sweet. And again, also another thing, when I grew up in Ukraine, we almost never had thing thing that cold bread had no sugar in it. So the things that had sugar in it called rolls. So, so again, when I see the label bread, I automatically, it didn't like, initially didn't occur to me, like I said, bread, no sugar. So on the second day, I read the label. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so with all, all of that so eventually it came to be like you know what I 
would like to have a freedom twice a month if I feel like it I'll have something and and then and I'm also big on calendars huge I keep track if I have my sugar and mark on my calendar <laughs> even though to me twice a month it's very easy to remember I won't forget it but um, I keep track of my meetings I keep track of my exercises and I keep track of my food so it's and I keep track in an easy pleasant way <laughs> It's not obsessive. It's not, and the reason why it started, I, and it started. I started adding. Initially, what happened was, because again, this was my third program when I came in, juggling multiple programs. What happened? I thought I went to this program recently, and then when I checked the records, I realized I haven't been to a meeting for three months. So my head is like, it's very easy to justify. And I saw it in other people, too, who like says to me, oh, I go to this regular meeting, and I haven't seen her. I go there, too, every week. I didn't see her for six months. She still thinks she's going there on a regular basis. So I was like, oh, my God, the brain can twist things, and my brain can twist things. It was recently. No, it was three months ago. So I started keeping track because multiple programs track. Track my food, track my sugar, track... So in one place, uh, track my meetings, track my exercise. Um, so, uh, as I said, it was um, my third program. I also struggle with step one through three a lot. I uh, still qualify myself as agnostic slash atheist. I have a rebellious personality. And also, I also learned in the program about being rebellious. There is a rebellious for no reason. Not for no reason, but there is a rebellious where I call it, it's not very smart, rebellious. <laughs> it's, it's somebody who's like trying, there are rules, and I'll be like, eh, screw this, I don't want to follow you. Know? <laughs> that kind of attitude. And there is a rebellious where like, you created those rules, I didn't create them, they don't work for me. I go deep inside and I check. And it doesn't work. And then I start questioning. I'm like, you know, you can follow this rules. I'm not, <laughs> it's not working. So that rebellious to me, there is nothing wrong with that. And um, when it comes, like, initially, like, I heard all the stories. People talk about higher power and this amazing things happen and amazing coincidences. And it's all amazing. And I wanted it so much and so bad. <laughs> And it's just not happening in my life. I, I grew up in an atheist environment. Um, I also grew up noticing, we did have priests. I also noticed um, a lot of greedy behavior in the priests that were nearby. It's like a lot of things. So, like, I have bad associations. <laughs> and, um, and they didn't go away. And um, also, rebellious personality and so eventually, I, I had to admit the truth, talking about like some suggested notions and the notions that don't work. And eventually, I had to admit to myself, like, I am agnostic in a, on a bad day, rebellious day, I'm atheist, and that's okay. And program works. It still works. <laughs> it's like, it's, program is not running away from me. Uh, it's not going to work because I have this kind of belief system, and that was really important to realize and accept. And um, 
And also, but with having that attitude, I also don't think I'm God. <laughs> I, uh, to me, I use concept of higher power. I use concept of God in this sense, God as somebody G, somebody who gives life, O, the force that organizes life, and D, the force that delivers life, which is... So it's not my concept, I borrowed it from some other place, <laughs> but that works for me. And, um, and higher power also, to me, mostly associated with um, laws of nature, and I have a relationship with the higher power. Through step one through three, I have a relationship with life, with life circumstances, with the fact, with the fact that I have no control about life and death, with the fact there are a lot of things in life I cannot accept still. And, um, and the relationship is changing. When I, as I do the steps, the relationship... Like, originally my relationship was, like, my perception... When I started doing... It happened in step two. When I started, like, questioning what is the concept, what is the... And after I find out the concept, I start questioning the relationship, how I relate to life, how I perceive life. And my perception was, um, I love to judge. <laughs> my perception was all, oh, you, you know, high power, you screw this, you screw this, you screw this, you screw this. This is like nothing is good. It's not perfect. That's my favorite thing. Like everything has to be perfect. It's not perfect by any means. So I, I am entitled to judgment. And be, as a result of that, being upset <laughs> and unhappy <laughs> and having that kind of attitude uh, on and off going through life. So uh, I questioned that and I came to different concepts and different relationships and I tried to catch myself when I'm in a judgment phase, entitled judgment phase, and I relate I also believe that the higher power has no grand plan. Sorry. <laughs> I think life is chaotic, and it's not perfect. And everything that is happening in the world and life by itself is constantly changing, therefore it's kind of perfect. Mm -hmm. And I, to me, my personal growth is to accept that. Nothing is perfect. Everything constantly changing, and pretty much nothing is in my control. And uh, with that... I, but I do have a choice. When I see that, I have a choice. Do I go into judgment? It's my choice to get upset about it or not to get upset about it. That's my choice. And also, I kind of, again, like concept of higher power to me is closer to concept of nature. I, be, I learn to be more neutral. It's like, I don't get upset because it rains. But I get upset because some things happen in my life. It's like things happen. And um, so I wanted to focus more on the recent developments in the last few years and, um, and my food <laughs> and my abstinence. So I was compulsive overeater through my life. I also was very active and I did a lot of sports. And up to first, like probably up to 20 year, 28 years old, I felt I could control it to some extent. I would gain a lot of weight. I would start dieting. I would start exercising. Well, I exercised on and off, mostly on. Uh, I would exercise. I would lose weight. 
then I would gain weight eventually, then I would exercise, I would diet, I would lose weight. <coughs> As I kept getting older, the stretches when I would gain weight and not lose it became longer, and I would gain more weight. And the stretches when I could manage to lose weight were very short, and it, I wouldn't lose that much. And eventually, the I think was the bottom point for me, which I didn't realize it was I was hitting the bottom. I was not anywhere 12 steps. I didn't have the concept of that. But the bottom point for me was when I exercised twice a day, I would go running and exercising in the morning and I would go jogging in the evening and I would still gain weight. And uh, so that was so... And to me, like step one, like I had a step one experience at that time but step one experience is not only feeling completely powerless over addiction, but also being willing to see, admit the defeat. That, I didn't have that. I still had a hope that I, somehow I can control it. And I still, up to this day, I, I admit that I don't have first step completely. Like, I still, some days, I still think there's something I can do to figure this out. I love figuring things out. And in my life, it works for me, often in many areas. <laughs> so naturally, I still, in some areas where it doesn't work, I still think, well, maybe I can figure out, learn about it, figure it out. It's all about control. And um, so I came in 2009 here, after being in 12 Steps for five years in two other programs. And... Um, I got abstinent, and I have been, um, and the other concept that was introduced to me, as I mentioned, I'm a huge perfectionist, and again, perfectionism pays off. I do good quality things, which bring me a lot of satisfaction, and, but also perfectionism can be a major handicap, and um, my sponsor introduced the concept of, were you kind to yourself today? <laughs> Like, that was not part of the deal. It's like, is you're perfect or you're not perfect? And, you know, abstinence, kind of concept of abstinence helps me to be within that realm. Perfect, kept abstinence, not perfect, didn't keep the abstinence. That's it. And she was like, well, were you kind? Is the abstinence is kind? <laughs> How's that works? Um, so I really, um, it helps me a lot to think in that way from the standpoint of compassion towards myself, and after I do that, I can be very compassionate towards others. And sometimes it's the opposite. I can be compassionate towards others. It's easy, but not compassionate towards myself at all. So, like, it goes back and forth. Like, but the concept of kindness and compassion is a regular, regular thing that I keep in my mind throughout the day that, you know, when I, when I think about the program, when I think about my actions, about my choices, about my food, um, and the last thing, my daily kind of thing, uh, again, like my OA program is all about being imperfect. I want it to be perfect, and every day it's not perfect in any way. I, um, I report my food. I track my food every day. That's the only thing I do every day. I'm supposed to email my food to my food sponsor. Some days I don't email. I skip it, and then I catch up next day I sent two reports uh, 
I committed to do gratitude list every day with my food. Again, on the day when I don't email, then I catch up for two days. It's one gratitude list. So, think, and in my head, I want it to be like on the. I want to be a machine. I want to be a robot that is like there is nothing affects me. I can function perfectly, <laughs> and it's just it's not happening. And um, so it is what it is. Um, do I have much time left? Two minutes. Two minutes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, uh, the last thing that I wanted to mention: take what you like and live the rest. I heavily practice it, heavily, um, in the sense that I use the program. I use what I learned in the program. I use other concepts in many other things. I use religious concepts. I use psychological concepts. Anything that helps me to function better, to think, to be better to myself, nicer to myself, nicer to everybody else, to work with my addictions, I will use it. Anything that doesn't work, doesn't feel right, I don't care where it comes from, uh, I don't care who introduced it to me, I, I don't discriminate. <laughs> Again, like, it's like, take what you like, leave the rest. And that's, yeah, that's, that's it, thank you. Well. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with anyone of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leaders are my own and not those of Orators Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Thank you so much for your share. It was beautiful. Um, can you talk about how you use the program to deal with loss and disappointment in your life? The question is how I use the program to deal with loss and disappointment in my disappointment in my life. I was um, initially going to mention that um, the events of the last year that happened. Um, it was one of the hardest years of my life. Um, my sister-in-law was diagnosed with cancer. She died battling cancer. Well, like she battled it for like less than a year. My coworker died suddenly. Uh, my other coworker's son, 21-year-old, was killed in car car accident, and uh, and my cat died too. <laughs> so, um, needless to say that I. Um, the concept of life and death has been on my mind pretty much every day this year. And um, there are multiple things that I do. And first of all, uh, I come, that's another part of the recovery, gift of recovery. When I was 17, I stopped being able to cry. It Something got blocked and I would have like a I felt like I had a stone in my throat, and I didn't cry for like three years. And so, uh, as I kept working the program, obviously, my uh, ability to allow emotions, to feel them, and again, I, I wouldn't say that I became like a robot. I had certain emotions. There were certain areas where I would have complete permission, and there were certain areas where 
the like I blocked it, and um, so for me, strangely enough, I part of my gratitude list is being able to feel the grief. I feel grateful because I know that I can go in a place where I can block it somehow, and I have no control over that. And um, so part of it is gratitude, like. I was grateful that I have memories, memories of people of my cat. Um, I was grateful that uh, obviously I, I did eat. I gained weight. I'm going to be honest. I gained weight, but when um, uh, you know my cat was the prolongest experience. She was that di- first. It was going back and forth. Then she was diagnosed, and I knew she was just going to leave for like a month. So. I was present. I spent my time with her, and and I could feel, I could grieve, I could be present, and um, and also uh, somebody introduced to me this exercise, which works very well for me in those kind of situations to write a letter to myself, to my inner child, and to higher power. So three ways and so I, I'm not a big fan of writing because at some point writing became like the sick mind talk it became redundant and wishful thinking so for some period of time I stopped it so I'm not very big on it but I do writing in those kind of situations and and I'm also it. I share in the past obviously I was very like if things happen challenging things happen, I would be very, very hesitant to mention it to anybody. And now it's like I'm in 12 steps, I call people, I share, and people come out and they had similar experiences who I never suspected they would, and they give so much support and compassion, and I can receive that. Those are the things for me. Thank you. Uh, my daily routine, my daily routines question is about my daily routines to keep myself from not being kind um, so i 'll give two versions the ideal version the per- the perfect version that I would like to have and i don 't have <laughs> and the reality uh, the ideal version is wake up uh, between five and five thirty I have to be at work at seven thirty i 'm not an early person by the way. Not an early riser. I, I joke at my work, like, don't ask me to smile before 9 in the morning. <laughs> and some people joke, and probably don't talk to you before 9. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, but I cannot say that at work. <laughs> so, uh, so wake up, do yoga practice or any other physical exercise. Um, do my meditation, my prayer, and I have a routine for a step one through three, and I have a little write-up from page 86. And and uh, do step 11, asking to guide my thoughts, my emotions, my mind, and my decision to ask for intuitive thought. So, uh, and then throughout the day, uh, <laughs> practice on and off uh, serenity prayer. In particular, to particular situation, not just random serenity prayer. Also, part of my morning routine, I do serenity prayer for three, four people who are like now triggering to me. I do it every day. So, uh, serenity prayer throughout the day for the random situation, and at night 
no more than five minutes, 10 steps. Um, I reach out to people. I don't say that it's not part of my kind of, uh, I keep track of my food in app, in phone app. I, st- I started, it was not an app, then eventually I switched to app, and then I email my food with gratitude list to my food sponsor. The reality of it. <laughs> the reality of it, sometimes I wake up between 5 and 5.30. Sometimes I don't wake up. I will sleep. And sometimes I skip exercise and I just do the meditation part, which is 15, all over, all over it's like 15 minutes. Sometimes I sleep to the last second. And I, do not, uh, I also pack my lunch. I bring my food to work. So that's two part of my <laughs> routine. So sometimes oversleep, I don't do any of it. I have a write-up of the same thing, my morning thing, my step three and my step 11. I have it in my purse. And when I come to work, I open it, I read it. So I do my step kind of three and 11 in the morning. And um, I meditate. If I skip my meditation, I actually have a commitment not to skip meditations. So I meditate either at lunchtime in the park, I 10 minutes drive to the park, or I meditate when I come after work and I still do my routine, my serenity prayer for people, and then I add my step 10 at night. So that's, that's how it is. <laughs> Uh, that's the definition I heard in some other place. Uh, G-O-D gives, giver, and implies whatever source that gives generates life, whatever it is. O, organizes life, process of happening life, process of life happening. And D, delivers life, which is transitioning to afterlife. G-O-D, God. So the question is, first was the question about the concept that I mentioned, G-O-D, God, and the second was like, if I think that it's chaotic, how do I use the concept of organizes? Um, For me, part of G-O-D, organizing life, it doesn't mean it's organized. It doesn't mean it's, again, it's not perfect, there is no... uh, perfect plan, there is no perfect thing that's organized and everything in its right place and everything is happening the way it's like supposed to happen again. Um, and I also have the right not to be happy with what's happening. <laughs> so, it, and organizes mean it's like there are circumstances and things that we go through. That's the process of life. It doesn't mean that life is organized, it doesn't mean that it's perfect and it, to me, Again, to me, it doesn't mean it's perfect, and it me, it's also means that it's constantly changing. Everything constantly changing. We know that in, on molecular level, everything things are changing. So, if everything, to me, again, that's that's how I think. <coughs> if everything constantly changing, it cannot be perfect. But to me, perfect implies some kind of st- st- static, st- static being 
being in, in the perfect spot, perfect place. There is like one spot. And to me, life is not. It's always constantly changing. So I don't really organize this. doesn't mean it's or everything is organized to me. So when you say that at times you want to reward yourself with food situations, etc., cetera, come about, so what do you do now when that thought gets your brain? Um, I can uh, reward myself with food within my food plan. So, and again, I don't know, maybe I'm not completely surrendered. I allow the possibility that I don't know everything. I allow possibility that my program is not perfect. And the question, by the way, was if <laughs> when uh, you want to reward yourself with food, how do you deal with that? Like, the, how do you reward? Not So, um, my reward as of today that I can allow myself it's a piece of fruit. I have two snack allowances, and they're not optional. <laughs> uh, I reward with myself with a certain cup of tea, with milk that I drink. That's the, Those are my rewards. Certain things that, certain, maybe certain food option, like certain dish that I like. There are, there are certain very, very healthy foods that I still that they are reward for me they, I love them, I enjoy them I feel I have very positive associations with them like uh, you know, so mashed potatoes <laughs> so I can still reward myself and I know I'm doing it I know like I use concept comfort food I, I, I say some days like you know like I feel like I want comfort food and that's okay for now. I don't know. Like I, in my mind, I do wish I was like again perfect. It's like ro- like a robot. It's only eat what you're supposed to do. Do the right thing. There is no reward. There is no none of none of that going on. But it's like I don't. know. It's not happening for me. <laughs> um, did you have much weight to lose? Uh, I had. Um, I gained up to 30 pounds weight and I, the, the thing was the most scary I kept gaining it and that what brought me to the third program realizing that I cannot stop gaining and if I continue my, by the way uh, I have two generations of overweight women I have multiple generations of overweight women and my grandmother when I was very little said you know, like, you know, your mom told me when she was a kid, I'm not going to be fat like you. And look at her now. <laughs> so it was a warning, warning right there. And I was sneaky. I was like, I'm not going to say it, but we'll see. We'll see how it's going to turn out. And, yeah, so um, I didn't have 100 pounds, but I... I kept gaining, gaining, and I stopped being able to lose it. So I knew at that point, I was like, I hate to go to the third program. I have no time. I go to the meeting. I hate the meeting, but I, I had to go. How has your recovery and your program affected your relationships with the closest people in your life, either family or, or not, but the closest people? How recovery and my program affected my relationship with people? Um, the concept of compassion and kindness 
which is uh, very big and sometimes uh, especially when people do the wrong thing that I think it's like it's against every kind of principle of humanity and I judge they're hurtful their behavior is hurtful I judge it but when I part of my brain is trained like the compassion what's you know from the compassionate standpoint what's there and then all of a sudden I see yeah they're doing the hurtful thing but there is also in them there is a fear and frustration and then I am not that also a big concept for me being emotionally honest with people again like uh, in my family valued to be like in control of your emotions I was very proud I can have poker face. Um, and every time when I supposedly lost my control, it was calculated. <laughs> I never really lost control. If you saw me like having this, like the fit, emotional, whatever, bless you. So it was calculated. And now I had to practice um, emotional honesty. I'm afraid to admit it. I'm scared. Uh, I mention it. I'm afraid to confront somebody because I know, because 99% chance after I confront them, they're going to stop having a relationship. There is a possibility of complete, and I'm still going to go because I need to be honest to do it. So that kind of stuff also I do. Um, yeah, I think those are two main ones. Thank you. So when you do step 11, what does it look like for you? Um, pray for the knowledge of his will for us and how that out. Um, so there is I think it's page 86 there is a write up uh, asking to divorce from fear, anger and resentment and, and I think I added self-pity too <laughs> so and asking for intuitive thought um, to me the main thing because like for a long time I didn't understand um, and the question was about step 11 how it feels for me that the routine doing it so for me I for the longest time I'm such a doer so I was like, I was asking the question to the God and I was answering it myself. <laughs> so the big part of for me is ask, do the read up and pause and not to expect anything, not to expect the answers, the right answers. They're like, just pause. That's it. And not to try to come up with the answers or wishful thinking answers or you know, like trying to control life again. So I ask and I let go. That's it. And I maybe sit for a couple of minutes. Um, you said that you grew up in an atmosphere of atheism, and I'm assuming that the people around you were atheists and didn't believe. So how has their response been to your newly found belief in God? Um, so it's interesting. So my mom by education is a doctor. My dad, military engineer. <laughs> My family, we didn't have like belligerent atheism. So it was the whole environment was just the school and everything. There was no part of the concept. My family were not like, no, there is no God. <laughs> My family didn't have the concept of it. And the question, I'm sorry, I keep skipping the questions. The question was like, when I grew up in the environment of atheism, how my family reacted to my newfound belief in God. So um, when I was around 17, my mom all of a sudden went into religion. And I was shocked. 
<laughs> I'm like, you have a medical degree. <laughs> My dad uh, bought a book on uh, that described five or six main religions of the world, everything about them, and he read it, and I read it. Um, so I have some basic knowledge about five or six main religions in the world. Um, and my family kind of like, my family, I really love the fact that very non nobody's not imposing on anybody. Like, uh, somebody came to, I was visiting my mom, and somebody came, and uh, the neighbor, and she's like, well, your daughter is not baptized? We need, we need to baptize her. And mom was like, my mom goes to church on a regular basis. She, she's very, she's a believer, Christian. And my mom was like, well, baptize, that's not the case. You can't, yeah, no. This is like, that's not the case, like hopeless. She called me basically hopeless case. <laughs> so, but she, nobody ever imposes anything on anybody. I have my own concepts that constantly change. I try to stay away from my mom's concept. I think I'm more the one controlling than my parents. <laughs> so, thank you. Thank <laughs> you.